0: This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Opheliad in New South Wales, Australia, August 2006. THE GOLDEN ROAD by Lucy Maud Montgomery. CHAPTER Twenty-Five, THE LOVE-STORY OF THE AWKWARD MAN. WRITTEN BY THE STORY GIRL jasper dale lived alone in the old homestead which he had named golden milestone in carlisle this giving one's farm a name was looked upon as a piece of affectation but if a place must be named why not give it a sensible name with some meaning to it why golden milestone when pine wood or hill slope or if you wanted to be very fanciful ivy lodge might be had for the taking he had lived alone at golden milestone since his mother's death He had been twenty then, and he was close upon forty now, though he did not look it. But neither could it be said that he looked young. He had never at any time looked young with common youth. There had always been something in his appearance that stamped him as different from the ordinary run of men, and, apart from his shyness, built up an intangible, invisible barrier between him and his kind. He had lived all his life in Carlisle, and all the Carlisle people knew of or about him, although they thought they knew everything, was that he was painfully, abnormally shy. He never went anywhere except to church. He never took part in Carlisle's simple social life. Even with most men he was distant and reserved. As for women, he never spoke to or looked at them. If one spoke to him, even if she were a matronly old mother in Israel, he was at once in an agony of painful blushes he had no friends in the sense of companions to all outward appearance his life was solitary and devoid of any human interest he had no housekeeper but his old house furnished as it had been in his mother's lifetime was cleanly and daintily kept the quaint rooms were as free from dust and disorder as a woman could have had them this was known because jasper dale occasionally had his hired man's wife mrs griggs into scrub for him on the morning she was expected, he betook himself to woods and fields, returning only at nightfall. During his absence, Mrs. Gribbs was frankly wont to explore the house from cellar to attic, and her report of its condition was always the same—neat as wax. To be sure, there was one room that was always locked against her, the west gable, looking out on the garden and the hill of pines beyond. But Mrs. Griggs knew that in the lifetime of Jasper Dale's mother it had been unfurnished, she supposed it still remained so and felt no especial curiosity concerning it though she always tried the door jasper dale had a good farm well cultivated he had a large garden where he worked most of his spare time in summer it was supposed that he read a great deal since the postmistress declared that he was always getting books and magazines by mail he seemed well contented with his existence and people let him alone since that was the greatest kindness they could do him It was unsupposable that he would ever marry. Nobody had ever supposed it. Jasper Dale never so much as thought about a woman, Carlyle Oracles declared. Oracles, however, are not always to be trusted. One day Mrs. Griggs went away from the Dale place with a very curious story which she diligently spread far and wide. It made a good deal of talk, but people, although they listened eagerly and wondered and questioned, were rather incredulous about it. They thought Mrs. Griggs must be drawing considerably upon her imagination. There were not lacking those who declared that she had invented the whole account, since her reputation for strict veracity was not wholly unquestioned. Mrs. Griggs' story was as follows. One day she found the door of the West Gable unlocked. She went in, expecting to see bare walls and a collection of odds and ends. Instead she found herself in a finely furnished room. Delicate lace curtains hung before the small, square, broad-silled windows the walls were adorned with pictures in much finer taste than mrs griggs could appreciate there was a bookcase between the windows filled with choicely bound books beside it stood a little table with a very dainty work-basket on it by the basket mrs griggs saw a pair of tiny scissors and a silver thimble a wicker rocker comfortable with silk cushions was near it above the bookcase a woman's picture hung a water-colour if mrs griggs had but known it representing a pale very sweet face with large dark eyes and a wistful expression under loose masses of black lustrous hair just beneath the picture on the top shelf of the bookcase was a vase full of flowers another vaseful stood on the table beside the basket all this was astonishing enough but what puzzled mrs griggs completely was the fact that a woman's dress was hanging over a chair before the mirror a pale blue silken affair and on the floor beside it were two little blue satin slippers. Good Mrs. Griggs did not leave the room until she had thoroughly explored it, even to shaking out the blue dress and discovering it to be a tea-gown, wrapper, she called it, but she found nothing to throw any light on the mystery. The fact that the simple name Alice was written on the fly-leaves of all the books only deepened it, for it was a name unknown in the Dale family. In this puzzled state she was obliged to depart, nor did she ever find the door unlocked again, And discovering that people thought she was romancing when she talked about the mysterious West Gable at Golden Milestone, she indignantly held her peace concerning the whole affair. But Mrs. Griggs had told no more than the simple truth. Jasper Dale, under all his shyness and aloofness, possessed a nature full of delicate romance and poesy, which, denied expression in the common ways of life, bloomed out in the realm of fancy and imagination. Left alone just when the boy's nature was deepening into the man's, He turned to this ideal kingdom for all he believed the real world could never give him. Love—a strange, almost mystical love—played its part here for him. He shadowed forth to himself the vision of a woman, loving and beloved. He cherished it until it became almost as real to him as his own personality. And he gave this dream-woman the name he liked best—Alice. In fancy he walked and talked with her, spoke words of love to her, and heard words of love in return. When he came from work at the close of day, she met him at his threshold in the twilight, a strange fair starry shape, as elusive and spiritual as a blossom reflected in a pool by moonlight, with welcome on her lips and in her eyes. One day, when he was in Charlottetown on business, he had been struck by a picture in the window of a store. It was strangely like the woman of his dream love. He went in, awkward and embarrassed, and bought it. When he took it home, he did not know where to put it. It was out of place among the dim old engravings of bewigged portraits and conventional landscapes on the walls of Golden Milestone. As he pondered the matter in his garden that evening he had an inspiration. The sunset flaming on the windows of the west gable kindled them into burning rows. Amid the splendour he fancied Alice's fair face peeping archly down at him from the room. The inspiration came then. It should be her room. He would fit it up for her, and her picture should hang there. He was all summer carrying out his plan. Nobody must know or suspect, so he must go slowly and secretly. One by one the furnishings were purchased and brought home under cover of darkness. He arranged them with his own hands. He bought the books he thought she would like best, and wrote her name in them. He got the little feminine knick-knacks of basket and thimble. Finally he saw in a store a pale blue tea-gown and the satin slippers. He had always fancied her as dressed in blue. He bought them and took them home to her room. Thereafter it was sacred to her. He always knocked on its door before he entered. He kept it sweet with fresh flowers. He sat there in the purple summer evenings and talked aloud to her, or read his favourite books to her. In his fancy she sat opposite to him in her rocker, clad in the trailing blue gown, with her head leaning on one slender hand, as white as a twilight star. But Carlyle people knew nothing of this, would have thought him tinged with mild lunacy if they had known. To them he was just the shy, simple farmer he appeared. They never knew or guessed at the real Jasper Dale. One spring Alice Reed came to teach music in Carlisle. Her pupils worshipped her, but the grown people thought she was rather too distant and reserved. They had been used to merry, jolly girls who joined eagerly in the social life of the place. Alice Reed held herself aloof from it, not disdainfully, but as one to whom these things were of small importance." She was very fond of books and solitary rambles. She was not at all shy, but she was as sensitive as a flower, and after a time Carlisle people were content to let her live her own life and no longer resented her unlikeness to themselves. She boarded with the Armstrongs who lived beyond Golden Milestone around the Hill of Pines. Until the snow disappeared she went out to the main road by the long Armstrong Lane. But when spring came she was wont to take a shorter way, down the Pine Hill, across the brook, past jasper dale's garden and out through his lane and one day as she went by jasper dale was working in his garden he was on his knees in a corner setting out a bunch of roots an unsightly little tangle of rainbow possibilities it was a still spring morning the world was green with young leaves a little wind blew down from the pines and lost itself willingly among the budding delights of the garden The grass opened eyes of blue violets. The sky was high and cloudless, turquoise blue, shading off into milkiness on the far horizons. Birds were singing along the brook valley. Rollicking robins were whistling joyously in the pines. Jasper Dale's heart was filled to overflowing with the realization of all the virgin loveliness around him. The feeling in his soul had the sacredness of a prayer. At this moment he looked up and saw Alice Reed she was standing outside the garden fence in the shadow of a great pine-tree looking not at him for she was unaware of his presence but at the virginal bloom of the plum-trees in a far corner with all her delight in it outblossoming freely in her face for a moment jasper dale believed that his dream-love had taken visible form before him she was like so like not in feature perhaps but in grace and colouring the grace of a slender lissom form and the colouring of cloudy hair and wistful dark grey eyes, and curving red mouth. And, more than all, she was like her in expression, in the subtle revelation of personality exhaling from her, like perfume from a flower. It was as if his own had come to him at last, and his whole soul suddenly leapt out to meet and welcome her. Then her eyes fell upon him, and the spell was broken. Jasper remained kneeling mutely there, shy man once more, "'crimson with blushes, a strange, almost pitiful creature in his abject confusion. "'A little smile flickered about the delicate corners of her mouth, "'but she turned and walked softly away down the lane. "'Jasper looked after her with a new painful sense of loss and loveliness. "'It had been agony to feel her conscious eyes upon him, "'but he realized now that there had been a strange sweetness in it too. "'It was still greater pain to watch her going from him.' He thought she must be the new music teacher, but he did not even know her name. She had been dressed in blue, too, a pale, dainty blue, but that was of course he had known she must wear it, and he was sure her name must be Alice. When later on he discovered that it was, he felt no surprise. He carried some mayflowers up to the West Gable and put them under the picture, but the charm had gone out of the tribute, and looking at the picture he thought how scant was the justice it did her. Her face was so much sweeter, her eyes so much softer, her hair so much more lustrous. The soul of his love had gone from the room and from the picture and from his dreams. When he tried to think of the Alice he loved he saw not the shadowy spirit occupant of the West Gable, but the young girl who had stood under the pine, beautiful with the beauty of moonlight, of starshine on the still water, of white wind-swayed flowers growing in silent shadowy places. He did not then realize what this meant. Had he realized it, he would have suffered bitterly. As it was, he felt only a vague discomfort, a curious sense of loss and gain commingled. He saw her again that afternoon on her way home. She did not pause by the garden, but walked swiftly past. Thereafter, every day for a week, he watched unseen to see her pass his home. Once a little child was with her, clinging to her hand. No child had ever before had any part in the shy man's dream life. "'But that night in the twilight the vision of the rocking-chair was a girl in a blue-print dress, with a little golden head shape at her knee, a shape that lisped and prattled and called her mother, and both of them were his. It was the next day that he failed for the first time to put flowers in the west gable. Instead he cut a loose handful of daffodils, and, looking furtively about him as if committing a crime, he laid them across the footpath under the pine. She must pass that way, her feet would crush them if she failed to see them. Then he slipped back into his garden, half exultant, half repentant. From a safe retreat he saw her pass by and stoop to lift his flowers. Thereafter he put some in the same place every day. When Alice Reed saw the flowers, she knew at once who had put them there, and divined that they were for her. She lifted them tenderly in much surprise and pleasure. She had heard all about Jasper Dale and his shyness, but before she had heard about him, she had seen him in church and liked him. She thought his face and his dark blue eyes beautiful. She even liked the long brown hair that Carlyle people laughed at. That he was quite different from other people she had understood at once, but she thought the difference in his favour. Perhaps her sensitive nature divined and responded to the beauty in his. At least in her eyes, Jasper Dale was never a ridiculous figure. When she heard the story of the West Gable, which most people disbelieved, she believed it, although she did not understand it it invested the shy man with interest and romance. She felt that she would have liked, out of no impertinent curiosity, to solve the mystery. She believed that it contained the key to his character. Thereafter, every day she found flowers under the pine-tree. She wished to see Jasper to thank him, unaware that he watched her daily from the screen of shrubbery in his garden. But it was some time before she found the opportunity." One evening she passed, when he, not expecting her, was leaning against his garden fence with a book in his hand. She stopped under the pine. "'Mr. Dale,' she said softly, "'I want to thank you for your flowers.' Jasper, startled, wished that he might sink into the ground. His anguish of embarrassment made her smile a little. He could not speak, so she went on gently. "'It has been so good of you. They have given me so much pleasure. I wish you could know how much.' "'It it was nothing, nothing,' stammered Jasper. His book had fallen on the ground at her feet, and she picked it up and held it out to him. "'So you like Ruskin?' she said. "'I do, too. But I haven't read this.' "'If you would care to read it, you may have it,' Jasper contrived to say. She carried the book away with her. He did not again hide when she passed, and when she brought the book back they talked a little about it over the fence.' He lent her others, and got some from her in return. They fell into the habit of discussing them. Jasper did not find it hard to talk to her now. It seemed as if he were talking to his dream Alice, and it came strangely natural to him. He did not talk volubly, but Alice thought what he did say was worth while. His words lingered in her memory and made music. She always found his flowers under the pine, and she always wore some of them, but she did not know if he noticed this or not. One evening Jasper walked shyly with her from his gate up the pine hill. After that he always walked that far with her. She would have missed him much if he had failed to do so, yet it did not occur to her that she was learning to love him. She would have laughed with girlish scorn at the idea. She liked him very much. She thought his nature beautiful in its simplicity and purity. In spite of his shyness she felt more delightfully at home in his society than in that of any other person she had ever met. He was one of those rare souls whose friendship is at once a pleasure and a benediction, showering light from their own crystal clearness into all the dark corners in the souls of others, until, for the time being at least, they reflected his own nobility. But she never thought of love. Like other young girls, she had her dream of a possible Prince Charming, young and handsome and debonair. It never occurred to her that he might be found in the shy, dreamy recluse of Golden Milestone. In August came a day of Golden Blue. Alice Reed, coming through the trees, with the wind blowing her little dark love-locks tricksily about her wide blue hat, found a fragrant heap of mignonette under the pine. She lifted it and buried her face in it, drinking in the wholesome, modest perfume. She had hoped Jasper would be in his garden, since she wished to ask him for a book she greatly desired to read, but she saw him sitting on the rustic seat at the further side. His back was towards her, and he was partially screened by a copse of lilacs. Alice, blushing slightly, unlatched the garden-gate and went down the path. She had never been in the garden before, and she found her heart beating in a strange fashion. He did not hear her footsteps, and she was close behind him when she heard his voice, and realized that he was talking to himself in a low, dreamy tone. As the meaning of his words dawned on her consciousness, she started and grew crimson. She could not move or speak. As one in a dream she stood and listened to the shy man's reverie, guiltless of any thought of eavesdropping. "'How much I love you, Alice!' Jasper Dale was saying, unafraid, with no shyness in voice or manner. "'I wonder what you would say if you knew. You would laugh at me. Sweet as you are, you would laugh in mockery. I can never tell you. I can only dream of telling you. In my dream you are standing here by me, dear. I can see you very plainly, my sweet lady, so tall and gracious, with your dark hair and your maiden eyes. I can dream that I tell you, my love, that—' maddest sweetest dream of all that you love me in return everything is possible in dreams you know dear my dreams are all i have so i go far in them even to dreaming that you are my wife i dream how i shall fix up my dull old house for you one room will need nothing more it is your room dear and has been ready for you a long time long before that day i saw you under the pine your books and your chair and your picture are there dear only the picture is not half lovely enough but the other rooms of the house must be made to bloom out freshly for you. What a delight it is to thus dream of what I would do for you, when I would bring you home, dear, and lead you through my garden and into my house as its mistress. I would see you standing beside me in the old mirror at the end of the hall, a bride in your pale blue dress with a blush on your face. I would lead you through all the rooms made ready for your coming, and then to your own. I would see you sitting in your own chair, and then— and all my dreams would find rich fulfilment in that royal moment. Oh, Alice, we would have a beautiful life together. It's sweet to make believe about it. You will sing to me in the twilight, and we will gather early flowers together in the spring days. When I come home from work tired, you will put your arms about me and lay your head on my shoulder. I will stroke it so, that bonny, glossy head of yours. Alice, my Alice, all mine in my dream." "'Never to be mine in real life. "'How I love you!' "'The alice behind him could bear no more. "'She gave a little choking cry "'that betrayed her presence. "'Jasper Dale sprang up and gazed upon her. "'He saw her standing there "'amid the languorous shadows of August, "'pale with feeling, wide-eyed, trembling. "'For a moment shyness wrung him. "'Then every trace of it was banished "'by a sudden strange fierce anger "'that swept over him. "'He felt outraged and hurt to the death.' He felt as if he had been cheated out of something incalculably precious, as if sacrilege had been done to his most holy sanctuary of emotion. White, tense with anger, he looked at her and spoke, his lips as pale as if his fiery words scathed them. "'How dare you! You have spied on me! You have crept in and listened! How dare you! Do you know what you have done, girl? You have destroyed all that made life worth while to me! My dream is dead!' It could not live when it was betrayed, and it was all I had. Oh, laugh at me, mock me. I know that I am ridiculous. What of it? It never could have hurt you. Why must you creep in like this to hear me and put me to shame? Oh, I love you. I will say it. Laugh as you will. Is it such a strange thing that I should have a heart like other men? This will make sport for you. I, who love you better than my life, better than any other man in the world can love you, will be a jest to you all your life." I love you, and yet I think I could hate you. You have destroyed my dream. You have done me deadly wrong. Jasper, Jasper, cried Alice, finding her voice. His anger hurt her with a pain she could not endure. It was unbearable that Jasper should be angry with her. In that moment she realized that she loved him, that the words he had spoken when unconscious of her presence were the sweetest she had ever heard or ever could hear. Nothing mattered at all save that he loved her and was angry with her. "'Don't say such dreadful things to me,' she stammered. "'I did not mean to listen. I could not help it. I shall never laugh at you. Oh, Jasper!' She looked bravely at him, and the fine soul of hers shone through the flesh like an illuminating lamp. "'I am glad that you love me, and I am glad I chanced to overhear you, since you would never have had the courage to tell me otherwise. Glad, glad! Do you understand, Jasper?' "'Jasper looked at her with eyes of one who, looking through pain, sees rapture beyond. "'Is it possible?' he said wonderingly. "'Alice, I am so much older than you, and they call me the awkward man. "'They say I am unlike other people.' "'You are unlike other people,' she said softly. "'And that is why I love you. "'I know now that I must have loved you ever since I saw you.' "'I loved you long before I saw you,' said Jasper." He came close to her and drew her into his arms, tenderly and reverently, all his shyness and awkwardness swallowed up in the grace of his great happiness. In the old garden he kissed her lips, and Alice entered into her own. End of chapter 25